And uh, we are going to sort of deal with a dual track of thought this weekend with freedom. We're in our series, Extraordinary Jesus, and we're talking about the idea that Extraordinary Jesus gives us freedom. And I believe that there's a huge connection there. And if you have the CLC app, you can follow along with the first thought that freedom, both civil and spiritual, isn't free. And we have many uh, hallmarks about that. And I'll read for you the Memorial Day address of Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, back in 82. He said, I have no illusions about what little I can add now to the silent testimony of those who gave their lives willingly for their country. Words are even more feeble on this Memorial Day. For the sight before us is that of a strong and good nation that stands in silence and remembers those who were loved and who in return loved their countrymen enough to die for them. Yet we must try to honor them, not for their sakes alone, but for our own. And if words cannot repay the debt we owe these people, surely with our actions we must strive to keep faith with them and with the vision that led them to battle and to the final sacrifice. Our first obligation to them and ourselves is plain enough. The United States and the freedom for which it stands, the freedom for which they died, must endure and prosper. Their lives remind us that freedom is not bought cheaply. It has a cost. It imposes a burden. And just as they whom we commemorate were willing to sacrifice, so too must we, in a less final, less heroic way, but be willing to give of ourselves as well. And that surely speaks to us of the cost of freedom uh, that we're reminded on behalf of so many has been buried in the ground and we commemorate them. But we also want to look at the freedom that we have spiritually and the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And while it's a gift from God, that gift was not free. It was paid for by the ultimate price of Jesus Christ on a cross for us. And he went on to say that, uh, that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And so we're saved by the grace of God, the price that Jesus paid to give us spiritual freedom. But even that, while he paid the price, there's an expectation on you and I that you are saved for a reason. There's purpose to your life. And there are things he wants to accomplish in and through you that he wouldn't accomplish in and through anyone else. And so part of us paying that back or paying it forward is to indeed discover and pursue that purpose that he's given us. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Would you say no condemnation? That thought sort of boggles our mind when we realize how guilty we are, how much we can be regrettable and, and shameful about. But there's no condemnation for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. So we've been set free spiritually, but it's been through the great price of Jesus Christ. We are free today as a nation to gather like this because of the great price that's been paid by men and women who have gone before us. And the next thought I want to sort of unpack is that freedom is at the heart of Christianity along with the freedom to choose. And that dovetails into the, the essence and the DNA of a culture like the United States of America. In uh, John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. 
Freedom is a recurring theme in the gospel, especially the gospel of John. In verse 36 of that same chapter, Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And so Christianity is really at the heart of societal freedom, the truths of Christianity. And, and the essential requirement of being able to make a choice to be free. And that that freedom has to be preserved and protected and we have to be good stewards of it. Being a baby boomer, I am old enough to remember the previous century where socialism never ended well. It was marked by a loss of freedom and by tyranny of the few. And, and yet it's mind-boggling to me to, to, to see our current culture the, the culture with the greatest freedoms in history, entertaining, uh, putting ourselves into a place of political bondage. Even uh, countries uh, from Europe that are uh, mildly socialist, do you know that you have to apply and get on a waiting list to, to buy a home, but you buy the home they tell you you could buy? There's so much we take for granted. We are free to come and to go, to choose, to not choose, to be, to not. I mean, we've got incredible freedom to us. And, and unfortunately, freedom must be stewarded and preserved or it can be easily lost. The freedom to choose. You made all kinds of choices already by the time you got here today. And you'll continue to make choices. And we tend to, not tend, we take choosing for granted. And it's at the heart, though, of our faith. You go back to the Old Testament, New Testament as well, but the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 30, says, I will call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life. Say choose life. In order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and by holding fast to him, for this is your life and the length of your days. The idea of choosing life it's a choice. And in choosing life, that's choosing to follow God's word and to follow obedience to God's word. And, and in that, there are blessings that follow. Spiritual freedom has to be preserved. Political freedom has to be preserved. I go back to one of our founding fathers, John Adams was the second president, was one of the two signers of the, of the Bill of Rights. And he said, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe, this is in the mid-1800s, that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. Let me read for you from the, the U.S. House Judiciary Committee from Congress in 1854. They said, had the people during the revolution had a suspicion of any attempt to war against Christianity, that revolution would have been strangled in its cradle. In this age, there can be no substitute for Christianity. That was the religion of the founders of the republic, and they expected it to remain the religion of their descendants. That's not necessarily something you would hear nowadays. But we realize that this great nation that has experienced unparalleled freedom until now also dovetailed its principles and its societal DNA with, with the religion that is a religion of freedom. No other religion champions freedom like Christianity. Islam doesn't. It's a, freedom of, it's a religion of suppression. Hinduism doesn't. Buddhism doesn't. It's Christianity because Christianity believes that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. 
and that we are free to make choices that are not only societal, civil choices, but we are free to make choices that impact us personally and impact others to a great degree. And the ability to choose is a good thing. How many of you made some good choices this week? Let me see your hand. All right. The ability to choose is a bad thing. How many of us made some bad choices this week? Isn't it funny how they go? I mean, same body. I have made good choices, made bad choices. We are, we are capable of both, are we not? And uh, boy, I wish that God would sometimes take away my ability to choose. I wish he'd just make me choose the right thing all the time. Wouldn't that be great? That'd kind of be heaven, all right? Uh, but boy, we can go both ways. And so I want to talk about freedom, and let's get up close and personal. As we... As I speculate that we as a culture are gradually giving up our freedoms to uh, a, a mindset of domination and, and taking your freedom of choice in a culture, canceling people for their viewpoints. We can get angry and frustrated at that as is understandable, but I want to talk about an even more important or essential freedom that we so easily surrender. And we, we voluntarily put ourselves into bondage to it. And spiritual freedom, like civil freedom, can be lost by us. In John chapter 8, let me jump to verse 34. I read a couple of verses before that. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. How many of you ever sinned? How many of you, so think of some of the sins, because you didn't just do one, right? So think of a few sins. How many of you ever committed a sin just once? Okay, just a couple. So we are multiple sinners, or serial sinners, or whatever. But Jesus said, you know, as you sin, you become a slave to sin. And, and I do it once, and I do it again, and I do it again, and I do it again. And, and if I do that sin, then it's easy to kind of transfer over and do that sin and, and rationalize whatever. And we become a slave to that, and we, we give up the very freedom that Jesus died for us to have. He died on the cross to set me free from sin. He died on the cross to set me free from guilt and shame. And lots of times I make a good choice and I lean into that freedom and I lean into that sinlessness. But boy, there's times I choose otherwise. And as we can surrender political freedoms, we can surrender, surrender spiritual freedom. It's not just that. I believe that Jesus came to give us an abundant life and that's from the inside out, right? Right? Caught you by surprise. That's from inside out, right? Because when you become a Christian, he doesn't fix everything out there, right? It's, it's internal. So I, I kind of believe that on the inside, I'm supposed to have this, <sighs> it's well with my soul. Let's go back a couple of sermon series ago, right? All right? And, and may I flourish, and may I be in good health, and may, it, may, my, may it be well with my soul. So everybody take a nice deep breath. 
Try one more time. I want you to pretend like everything is perfect in the world, okay? Take a nice deep breath again. <sighs> that sense of <sighs> is what he intends for you and me. Now, those sins we talked about earlier that you just raised your hand about, how many of you in those sins, somebody held a gun to your head and that's why you did it? <laughs> Nobody made me do it. Nobody forced me. Well, not only do I surrender my freedom when it comes to sin, I think I surrender my freedom when it comes to well-being. Because Jesus said, peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Paul described that peace, that the, the peace of God guards your heart, my emotions, and my mind, my thoughts in Christ. It's beyond understanding. And I find that I can ratchet myself up, get all stressed out or all anxious just by what happens between my ears. Anybody else? And I can find myself to be a nervous mess or all stressed out, whatever label you like to put on it. And nobody said, I want you to think about things that trouble you or else. I just, I just surrender that. I just give it up. The same thing is true with Jesus said that these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. It's not a joy like everybody else has. It's not a joy like the world has. But no, there is a joy in me that just like the peace, it's not dependent on my circumstances. And I find that many times, just like I, I willingly surrender my freedom from sin and I surrender my freedom from anxiety, I also put myself in bondage emotionally and just let things just take it from me. And I, I can fall into this downward spiral. Some of us give up joy for depression. We give up joy for insecurity and inadequacy. We willingly just surrender that. Nobody forces us to do it. And, and, and granted, we can't fully control what we think. There are thoughts that come in your mind. You didn't choose them. It just came there. But we do have control over them. What do I do with it once it's there? What do I tell myself once it's there? It's amazing to be preparing a message and then living that message. Wow, there's a lot of times that I think things and I can totally put myself in bondage to anxiety or I can totally put myself under uh, the oppression of what's going on just by thinking and dwelling and being there. It's like I was never set free indeed. Maybe you do that. But Jesus came to, to set us free from the inside out, spiritually. Imagine this setting in the Gospel of Luke, he's in the temple and it's his turn to read and he reads from the prophet Isaiah. And when he's done reading it, he baffles the crowd saying, this has just been fulfilled in your midst. And in Luke chapter four, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Gospel means good news. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he says, this is fulfilled today. And he sat down. They're like, what just happened? Jesus self-identifies his purpose, why he came. 
He would fulfill that ultimately on the cross, dying and paying for our sins to set us free from guilt and shame and then being buried in a tomb and rising from the dead and conquering death. That's the ultimate fulfillment. But all along the way, what else he came to do? He came to, to declare release to the captives. And how captivating the darker, painful, anxious side of our life can be. He said, I, I came to free those who are oppressed. And wow, it just came really clear to me how, how much I will go ahead and oppress myself. Put myself, you know, we're talking about taking every thought captive. What about when thoughts take you captive? So let's do a quick check. How many of you have got serious, unmet, prayer needs that you are dealing with and battling in your life now. Let me see our hands. Okay? Lots of us. And if you didn't raise your hand, you're in a good season, it'll come. But if we're not careful and very intentional, we can allow what we raise our hand about to become bondage. To oppress me and replace any joy. Steal my peace. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead. Put me, in put me in the shackles of anxiety because it just doesn't go away. And the longer that need goes, the longer our hand is up. Man, it gets, it gets hard. Really difficult to, to not find ourselves in prison to that. And all it has to do is just be there. Keep going. Same old, same old. And it's kind of like winning a war without a shot. Satan doesn't have to do much. See, when we illustrate something, and I'm going to stand over here so I'm safe-ish. I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going I'm I'm to walk. Now, Cody, if I get too close to the end, be my friend, yell something, Okay. So my eyes are closed, all right? And so I'm walking, and I think the podium's around, around there somewhere. I can feel the lights, okay? So, and, and so I'm a little tentative because I'm not sure. I think I got a ways to the edge of the stage yet. But I'm walking, and I can't see. Now I'm getting a little anxious. because <laughs> Cody, you're there, right? I'm right here. I don't want you laughing because he fell. <laughs> yeah, it would be called the... Uh, teach you to trust me, Cody exercise there. So, okay, so anyway, but I'm, I'm a little nervous because I, I can't see. Whoa, dude. <laughs> how, cl how close are you going to let me get? <laughs> if I took a big step. <laughs> Next time, you're going to be my... my <laughs> now, I was a little more hesitant then, and, and it's actually, I can walk with confidence now, but you know what? Sometimes when I walk by what I can see, have you seen the world lately? It can freak you out. Have you seen your problems? Have you seen that relationship, that diagnosis, that job, that what? Have you seen what you're dealing with? It can literally freak you out. And walking by sight can take away all my anxiety, all of my joy, all of my peace, all of my confidence, can make me depressed can make me insecure, can challenge my faith, or I lose faith. 
when I walk by sight. Because Paul says we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, it doesn't mean we walk blindly, okay, but I, I need to learn to march to the beat of a different drummer, as they say. I need to realize that far too often when I, when I live by just what I see and what I'm told and what I hear and what I feel, I can, I can be in such internal bondage, I am anything but free. And yet the Bible says, whom the sun sets free internally is free indeed. When Jesus read that about liberty to captives and, and free those who are oppressed, he wasn't talking about politically because he was talking to Jewish people who were living under the domination of the Roman Empire. They were a vassal state. They served Rome. Which says, regardless of our external circumstances, who the sun sets free here and here is free indeed. And so we thought as a way to kind of pull this service together on Memorial Day weekend, not only with gratitude for those who paid the ultimate price, but gratitude to Jesus who paid the ultimate price. We want to we close with communion. And if you didn't get your elements, if you'll raise your hand, uh, a section leader will get them to you. There's a hand down here. Um, I'm not sure where else. Just wait, raise it real quick. Back over here. Let me read for you what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11, verse 23, he said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so every time we take communion, it's a spiritual memorial day. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you and I. Not just freedom from sin someday that we'd get to heaven, but freedom within that I so easily give up. I'm meant to be free from anxiety, insecurity, depression, fear but I so easily go there. And I, and I tell those anxious thoughts, go ahead and lock me up. It's time for us to declare our freedom. If you'd bow your heads with me and take a moment and just remember the brokenness of Jesus and then parallel that Parallel that to the brokenness of your own life. What's broken? Because, boy, I let the broken things just put me in a prison of stress and anxiety. Ask Him for help. Ask Him to help guard your heart, your feelings, your thoughts that you can walk in freedom and hope. Jesus, what a, what a disappointment it must be to you when we put ourselves in our own bondage, our own shackles of insecurity, of fear, of anxiety, of failure.
and yet you were broken for us. So you see the brokenness in our lives and we pray for restoration. We pray, Lord, that you would hold us together. And Lord, when we don't see the answers to prayer, help us to walk by faith, not by sight. Knowing that you can be trusted, knowing that you hear our hearts cry and trusting that you'll prevail. And so today, in the midst of all of our brokenness and our struggles, we remember you who died to set us free and to give us your joy and your peace deep within. We thank you for that in your name. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If you bow with me in prayer, this cup represents the blood of Christ shed for us, for healing and for forgiveness. And so if, if you're anxious over a need for healing in your life or a loved one, whether it's physical, relational, emotional, mental, whatever. The Bible says to cast your anxieties at his feet because he cares for you. And so tell him about that. Tell him about the healing that you need and the grace you need to persevere and to trust. The Bible also says about the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins and we're to examine ourselves. And so if there's sin in your life that you've not repented of, ask him to forgive you. Tell him you're sorry because he is faithful to forgive you and cleanse you. And there's no need to carry the guilt and shame. Jesus, how willingly we, we surrender. We give up emotional freedom, mental freedom, and spiritual freedom, sometimes on a whim, sometimes in a reaction. We're thankful, though, that we turn to you and you forgive us. And so we ask you for forgiveness. We ask you for amazing grace. We ask you for healing. We ask you, Lord, to bind us together and make us whole. And we are so thankful. We remember you on this Memorial Day weekend in a spiritual memorial. We remember that you died on the cross to set us free. So Lord, help us to protect that freedom, preserve that freedom you gave us and, and not to yield to that, but instead to walk by faith and to trust you. And I pray a blessing, Lord, over each one today that's about to take this cup, a blessing of not only forgiveness and grace, but of joy and peace and strength. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together. And then just take a few moments and sit and reflect on this song that sings about God's mercy because what we just took, the bread and the cup, are a tangible expression of the mercy and the love of God for you and I.
The power of the blood. 
thank you for your grace, for your love, and for your mercy for us, God. Thank you for paying the ultimate sacrifice. God, we know that if all that you did was die on the cross for us, that would be enough. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Well, it was such a great Memorial Day service with you guys, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. We can't wait to see you next week.